0: following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI.
1: face my name all over the place anything you wanna do okay well thank you Elvis for that great intro as usual and It is time now for Dunn's Deal. This is the place where I do the dealing, and I deal them fairly. You may not like the cards, but you have to read them and weep. So I'll start with my poem called, Joe Biden is not the president. (laughs) Nope, he is the thief in chief. (laughs) He is the... The pretender to the throne. Joe Biden is the cellar dweller living with the rats and moles. He is the king of crappers. Who will change his diapers? He is your highness of hair sniffers. Keep him away from your daughters. (laughs) He is the boss of bribery taking. He knows how to hide the dough. He is Don wandering around everywhere. He is the founder of Brandon Falls, everywhere he goes. And last but not least, he is the leader of the warmongers. Compared to him, Patton is a pussycat. Chesity Puller is a chump. And U.S. Grant is a loser. So, anyhow... I've got some dynamite stuff today, and I'm going to ask you, as I usually do, to hold your calls until after the bottom of the hour, until 6.30. Because I want to dive into some deep stuff. Uh, An article from the New York Times, and the other article is from a Washington think tank piece out of foreign policy. And uh, I didn't pit the New York Times because I want to lead credence or gravitas to my stuff. It just, well, it's about how the CIA has secretly helped uh, and funded Ukraine against Putin for a decade, for 10 years. This is not a war Putin started. It's a war that the CIA, the Ukrainian war, is a war that the CIA started 10 years, if not uh, 12 or 14 years ago. This is so, so crazy. Oops. Before I get started on that, though, I do have a very apropos cut here from, of all people, Barack Obama, my favorite president. Not.
0: Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that al-Qaeda is a threat. Because a few months ago, when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia, not Al Qaeda. You said Russia And the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because, you know, the Cold War has been over for 20 years. But, Governor, you know, when it comes to our foreign policy, you seem to want to import the foreign policies of the 1980s. Okay, that was in
1: 2008. Or maybe 2007, going into 2008. And Barack Obama was chastising Mitt Romney for wanting to to resurface, regurgitate the foreign policy of the 1980s. And at that time, he was saying, that was 20 years ago. The Cold War is over. Well, take a look at Ukraine, and that's hard to tell. Um... So let's – and like I said, this is an article that was printed in the New York Times. And they must have been sitting on this because the two guys that worked on it, Adam Enthouse and Michael Schwartz, conducted more than 200 interviews in Ukraine, several other European countries, and the United States to report on this. So they had to have been working on this for a long time. And the article starts out in a secret spy base in Ukraine. Not far away, a discreet passageway descends to a subterranean bunker where teams of Ukrainian soldiers track Russian spy satellites and eavesdrops on conversations between Russian commanders. On one screen, a red line followed the route of an explosive drone threading through the Russian air defenses from a point in central Ukraine to the to the target in the Russian city of Rostov. The underground bunker built. To replace the destroyed command center. In the months after Russia's invasion. As a secret nerve center. Of the Ukraine militaries. There is one more secret. The base is almost. Fully financed. And partly equipped. By the CIA. The CIA. Has been in Ukraine. For at least. Ten years. They started this war, they pushed it. they wanted a war between Ukraine and Russia and split the uh, pro Russian people from the pro uh, western people and um, you know it it's, this really exposes the depth of the United States via the CIA. No one was elected to do this. No president ran on, I'm going to start a war between uh, Ukraine and Russia. No one ran on, uh, hey, it's a good thing that, that we push Russia to uh, World War III. But you know what? Politicians today are starting to talk like that. Except now now they're a little schizophrenic because they were saying you know, let's let's challenge them. Let's push Russia. Let, let's bomb Russia. And Lindsey Graham was saying that until he started getting booed at, at Trump rallies. Trump would call him up and the people would boo him like crazy because he's such a warmongering idiot. There's no war that he's ever seen that he doesn't want your kids to go and fight and die in. And right now he's sending Ukrainian kids, actually, they're not kids... <laughs> and they've lost so many of their young people, either in the war or who escaped the country because they don't want to fight. Excuse me. That um, they had to start bringing in older men and women into the uh, into the forces. At what time will they start asking for children? <laughs> this is crazy. Let's see, let me read on. Now entering the third year of a war that has claimed hundreds of thousands of lives. The intelligence partnership between Washington and Kiev is a linchpin of Ukraine's ability to defend itself. In other words, if it wasn't for Washington, there wouldn't be a war there. Ukraine would not have been able to pull this war off and thousands of people would still be alive and cities would not be destroyed today. The CIA and other American intelligence agencies provide intelligence for targeted missile strikes, track Russian troop movements, and help support spy networks. So we're in the war, we're doing everything except pulling the trigger. And I wouldn't doubt if we are pulling the trigger at some points. So whenever you hear a politician, whether, you know, in Europe or in the United States, call this Putin's war, say Putin is the aggressor, Putin is a bully. B.S. It's Washington and the CIA that is the aggressor. They have pushed this war. They, Washington and the CIA, are the bullies in this. They have started this war. They are the warmongers. And they are pushing us towards World War III. Let's see. But the partnership is no wartime creation. Nor is Ukraine the only beneficiary. Beneficiary of what? Death and destruction? It took root a decade ago coming together in fits and starts under three very different U.S. presidents pushed forward by key individuals who often took daring risks. Some of them probably illegal. Oh, I love this paragraph here. The Ukrainians also helped United States officials pursue Russian operatives who meddled in the 2016 U.S. presidential election between Donald J. Trump and Hillary Rodden Clinton. Uh, That never happened. There was no interference in the election. Hillary Clinton was a lousy candidate and lost fair and square. Donald Trump won fair and square. If not, how come Mueller never was able to pin uh, Trump down on espionage? This is such BS. And this isn't the only time that they use the excuse in this article of trying to find evidence of um, Russian tampering with our... Election, which of course there is no evidence, these guys don't come up with it, nobody's ever come up with it because it doesn't exist. 617. I've got a second article I have to go to, so I want to go through this stuff fast. Let's see the details of this intelligence partnership, many of which are being disclosed by the New York Times for the first time, have been a closely guarded secret for a decade. Uh, Not really. I remember an article from the New York Times, uh, you know, about, was it 10 years ago, 8 years ago, about them bragging of the CIA's uh, influence in Ukraine. And they were helping to bomb the Donbass, The Donbass area is where a lot of of native Russians lived and still live. And um, the Ukrainians were bombing uh, the ethnic Russians in order to either kill them or drive them out of that part of Ukraine. Well, that part of Ukraine is now part of Russia. And that's probably not going to change. Oh, and following the events on the ground there, um, Russia took that important city of uh, of Advitka, and they're still taking more territory. Very slowly, they're very slowly plowing through the territory and taking um, land back. Oh, and here's a crybaby line here. If Republicans in Congress end military funding to Kiev, the CIA may have have to scale back. Oh, poor babies. Uh, Let's see. Toward the end of 2021, uh, before the war started... According to a senior European official, Mr. Putin was weighing whether to launch his full-scale invasion when he met with the head of one of Russia's main spy services, who told him that the CIA, together with Britain's MI6, were controlling Ukraine and turning it into a beachhead for operations against Moscow. One of the things that Putin said why he was going in on an invasion was that because... Uh, you know, United States is pushing for Ukraine to join join NATO, which is an organization formed to attack Russia. Cold War stuff, like what Barack Obama was talking about in the beginning of this this uh, show. Cold War stuff, 1980s stuff, 1970s stuff, nineteen fifties. And, ooh, we've got Victoria Nuland here. She's my next, my next target. The CIA's partnership in Ukraine can be traced back to two phone calls on the night of February 24th, 2014. Eight years to the day before Russia's full-scale invasion. Millions of Ukrainians had just overrun the country's pro-Kremlin government and the president, Viktor uh, Yanukov. Yanukovych and his spy chiefs had fled to Russia in the tumult a fragile Western government quickly took power okay let me switch over to this other article from foreign policy a think tank uh, magazine out of uh, Washington and I was surprised that to find this article in here because it's kind of anti, uh, you know, the Ukrainian war. It says Deep State veteran Victoria Newland's answer on all bio, um, all alleged bioweapons labs in Ukraine is cause for concern. Excuse me. Uh, let's see. Newland and many D.C. politicians are not in the search of truth here. They have an agenda of military confrontation with Russia. Why? What's Russia done to the United States lately, huh? Is Russia invading at the southern border? (laughs) Is Russia causing crime to, to rise in American cities? Is Russia driving our inflation up? Let's see, does Ukraine have bioweapons research program? And if it does, is the United States involved in it? In a characteristically insightful op-ed, Glenn Greenwald noted that a (laughs) a talk last Monday at a meeting of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee between Senator Marco Rubio and Undersecretary of State Victoria Nuland shed light on that question. Now, she's the Undersecretary of State, so she's the number two at the Secretary of State. But quite often, the Undersecretary of State is the one actually doing the work. And the Secretary of State just gets up in front of the microphones, has to look good, and, um, you know, talk well, all that sort of stuff. But it's the number two that at times does the heavy lifting. Both Russia and China have suggested that Ukraine has bioweapons research programs. And Rubio apparently confident that Nuland would rebut those claims, asked her if this was true. But to Rubio's apparent surprise, Nuland said, uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities. And we are now, in fact, quite concerned that Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to... uh, Gain control of these labs. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of Russian forces, should they approach. Um, in fact, oh, I was reading about the spy center there in, in Ukraine. Well, there's about 12 of them. And with these bioresearch labs... It's reported that there's 26 of them. It's 624 already. I've got to get going with this because I want to keep it down to a half an hour. Okay. Why is the U.S. urgently working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of these research materials from falling into the hands of Russian forces? Is it perhaps because the materials would provide evidence of U.S. involvement in a Ukrainian bioweapon factory program? If the labs are working on Russian bioweapons, as the Pentagon claims, why has it taken so long to remove these biomaterials? And why is Newland worried that Russian bioweapons would fall into the hand of old Russians? See, some of these... Wep, um bioweapon factories were there since um, before perestroika, before the fall of the Soviet Union, which is 1992. So that would be 30 years ago now. And you're trying to tell me that you can't take the hazardous material out of the place <laughs> in 30 years? Uh, you're kind of slow. Let's see. Rubio sought Newland's assurance that if there was an incident involving bioweapons, only Russia would be to blame for it. By asking that, Rubio heightened the risk of a false flag episode in which Ukrainians use bioweaponry, assuming that there are such materials in the facilities, securing the knowledge that the U.S. would denounce the Russians for using it. Rubio seemed to be trying to close off any suggestion that Ukraine and the U.S., if partnering with Ukraine in bioweapon research, should be held accountable for any incident. How can the Republican chair of the Intelligence Committee be this irresponsible? In other words, this is the perfect setup for a false flag on either side. Russia can set off a bioweapon uh, bomb somewhere in Ukraine and blame it on the Ukrainians. Ukraine can set one off in, in Russia and say, we blew up a uh, bioweapons factory in Russia. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's Russia's fault. They started it. It's happened before. It happened in Syria. There was a case of a false flag, a, a gas attack. And it was blamed on Assad. It wasn't Assad's forces. It was um, ISIS that did it. But the, the, the U.S. media actually and the European media and the U.S. government was trying to blame Assad. But it wasn't Assad that was doing it. And it was when Assad's forces were winning the war, this false flag of a gas bomb came in and turned uh you know turned the the propaganda war against Assad Oh let's see there's this guy by the name of Pope I missed his first name because I'm rushing through this but according to Pope the US has worked with twenty-six labs some large others small in Ukraine And provides direct material support to six of them. So (laughs) we know of these labs. We know where they are. We are supplying at least six of them. You know, maybe the other 20 could uh, get material from there. But there are six biological weapon labs in Ukraine that the United States works on, funds, and gives material support to Oh, and this is great right here, because I started this off with the cut about Barack Obama uh, chastising Mitt Romney for having a foreign policy that goes back to the 1980s. <clears throat> and this article is written by Robert Delahunty. So Delahunty says that according to Salon magazine, Victoria Nuland Biden's undersecretary of state is stuck in the quicksand of not the 1980s, not the 1970s, not the 1960s, 1950s, the height of of the paranoia and hatred of the Cold War. Anyhow, so she's stuck in the 1950s uh, U.S russia cold war politics and dreams of continued nato expansion an arms race on steroids and further encirclement of russia newland is married to the prominent neoconservative writer robert kagan and was a foreign policy advisor to then vice president dick cheney from 2003 to 2005 later migrating to hillary clinton's foreign policy staff so this guy is a slithery snake from from the swap pit of Washington D.C. He's as comfortable working for for Dick Cheney, Darth Vader. Remember, the left kept calling him Darth Vader for the longest time, and then with Hillary Clinton. So he'll work on either side of the aisle because. People on both sides of the aisles, from uh, Mitt Romney to Mitch McConnell, who's leaving, thank God, to um, uh, uh, Lindsey Graham, to Chuck Schumer, uh, and uh, you know all all the Democrats are very comfortable with pushing World War Three. Very comfortable with Victoria Newland's nineteen. 19- 50s paranoia, hatred of Russia. Is that any way to run foreign policy? A 70-year-old foreign policy stuck (laughs) in the aftermath of of World War II, stuck in in the, the, at that time, very recent aftermath of the Korean War, Good God. Let's see. She has risen in the State Department. This would be uh, Victoria Nuland uh, since then and even played a role in the Russia Gate conspiracy. Her activities including pushing fusion GPS conspiracy theories in the State Department and then disseminating these conspiracy theories uh, into, into the broader Obama administration. All the while, she was planning on serving a Hillary Clinton administration if Trump lost. So this would be the Obama administration just before the election of 2016, and Fusion GPS helped to push the um, uh, the P-gate, uh controversy uh, that supposedly. You know, Trump had uh, hookers come in and pee on his bed uh, because Barack Obama had slept on it once. For real? Uh, Grow up, people. Let's see. I've got about three minutes to wrap this up. Okay, so Newland hates Russia. Her, Her family comes from there. You know, they they were ostracized in Russia. They were driven out. So she hates Russia. She wants to destroy Russia. Um, and she is pushing the United States via Ukraine into a war with Russia. Let's see. This is a great paragraph right here. This is a guy by the name of David Hendrickson in a book that he wrote called Republic in Peril. Came out in 2018. The renewal of the Cold War with Russia in Europe was the most lamentable and perhaps even the most inexplicable blunder of the Obama presidency. Victoria Nuland marched into Kiev with as much alon as any neoconservative could muster, successfully encouraging the February Revolution. But the grim and predictable result was a stark deterioration of the U.S.-Russian relations and the breakdown of post-Cold War peace. What is to be done? Uh, I should probably spend the whole hour on this, but I like breaking things up into half hour bits and we'll talk about domestic things and take your phone calls when I come back but um people watch out for false flags, watch out for weird things happening either in Ukraine to try to get us dragged into a a shooting war with um With Russia. Or things could happen in the Middle East. They are happening in the Middle East today. Oil prices shot up 2% today. That may not sound like a lot. 2%. But 2% in one day is a lot. And that's because we're doing more bombing in the Middle East. So this stuff will affect us. It will affect the economy. And it could affect us in, in the fact that. That there are some people still talking about sending U.S. troops to go to fight the Russians in Ukraine. And that means American troops dying in Ukraine in order to fight a war that ended, the Cold War that ended in 1992. Incredible. The United States of Empire by James Dunn shows How the U.S. became a worldwide empire. It looks at the entry of the U.S. into both world wars. George Washington had warned us about entangling ourselves in European wars. Before World War I, the United States was not concerned with foreign conflicts. In World War I, we changed the balance of power in Europe. We went in to save the world for democracy. We expelled the German Kaiser and imposed our own idea of what Germany should look like. Propaganda painted the Kaiser as the evil That was destroying civilization. So when the true barbarian rose to power, Hitler, how could we avoid being drawn in again? We saved Great Britain. Britain needed us again in World War II to save their bacon. We bought the hog. Now we are the empire. The book, The United States of Empire, in paperback, is available at Amazon.com.
0: Here's author James Dunn to talk about his soon-to-be-printed
1: next book. The King Philip's War in New England in 1675 defined the relations, for good or bad, between English settlers and Native Americans for centuries to come. Many of the battles are local to the Blackstone Providence area with long-forgotten memorials and grave sites. Smithfield was the Battle of Nipsichuk. The Battle of Sudbury in Sudbury, Mass., was a turning point. Mount Hope in Bristol, Rhode Island, was the home of King Philip and the Wampanoag tribe. The Connecticut River Valley was a scene of many bloody encounters between the English and the Nipmuc tribe. South Kingston, Rhode Island saw the Great Swamp Battle Slash Massacre. One Englishman stands out in this brutal conflict. He dared to learn to fight like the Indians did and won the war for the English. It was Captain Benjamin Church in the book Captain Benjamin Church and the King Philip's War. <laughs> we Welcome back to Dunsdale. And uh, I <laughs> I am out of breath from that first half hour there. Um, I'll be right with you, caller. Let me put out the numbers for anyone else that wants to call. And they would be 766 1380 769 0600. And the 1 800 number is 1 800 949 9674. So, let's go to the phone lines and see, see what's up.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, I Hi, I can barely hear you. Really? You can't hear me? Oh, now I can hear you. Okay, thank okay, you. Yeah, I'm talking right into uh, the microphone. Okay, no helps. problem. So, by the way, um, you know, mentioning your first New York Times article, um, I had, in the 20 minutes you were talking, I had the chance to actually read the article myself. Yes, reader? And, yeah, there's a lot there, but it's in big print, and it went pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, um, Ukraine is grateful that the CIA is there, and always has been. Um, part,
1: part of Ukraine, <laughs> just the western side.
0: Well, well, no, I mean, the whole, yeah, because the bunker's there. I get it. Uh, they have to have the bunker there.
1: Not, not the people that are getting bombed, that were getting bombed from 2014. Uh, you know the the pro-Russian people.
0: Right, right, exactly, and that's where it all began. Um, it says millions of Ukrainians had just overrun the country's pro-Kremlin government, and the president uh, Viktor Yukonich, whatever his name is, and his spy chief had fled to Russia. Yes. So, and they took away. And in the Tumult, a pro-fragile, pro-Western government, they quickly took power. But then, that was on shaky ground, you know. But when it got started, but the CIA is always... And they were actually... Ukrainians, yeah, they, the United States offered and the Ukrainians basically accepted it. They said, sure, we need, we need good equipment here, you know. But there was always that trust issue at the beginning, like they said, because, you know, you're dealing with people that you don't know who to trust, you know, and stuff. But then one day... When this fellow walks into the CIA office and just has a, just dumps a bunch of files about Russian intelligence, they said, okay, now we can work with you. Sure. Right? But and, and, uh, answer me this. Yeah.
1: Are, are there pro-Trump people in uh, New York State?
0: Are there pro-Trump people in New, New York New State? New York State, yes. Of course there are.
1: Okay. Are, are there pro-Biden people in Texas? Sure there are. Okay, well, just because somebody turns in a bunch of information on their enemy to someone that could be a possible ally doesn't prove that everyone in that area thinks the same as him.
0: Well, the point being is that, you know, the invasion is at take, it was about to take place, and, you know, things were happening. Matter of fact, the Ukrainians didn't even believe that the Russians had, you know, you know 10,000 tanks in their doorstep at the beginning. You know, they were like, no, nah, no, nah, that's
1: not true. What, what are we doing there? That's the whole point. Why are we even pushing this?
0: Because because Russia wants to keep its influence in the area. I mean, so, that's, that's basically what it and is. And, we, if it,
1: and we, if, we wanted to keep our influence over Cuba as little as it was. But we didn't allow uh, nuclear weapons to be placed there by Nikita Khrushchev. Was it right for us to tell Fidel Castro what to do with his country?
0: I, I I know where you're going with this, and I you know you're implicating that the United States actually uh, you know cajoled, war, yes. cajoled uh, <laughs> Fidel Castro to uh, somehow get nuclear weapons so that we could uh, you know fight the Russians on no, the territory. That's
1: not what I'm saying. Oh, he wanted it from the Russians. The Russians were happy to give it to him. We said, "Don't you dare!" Or we will go to war over it. Oh, right. Yeah, that's the exact same thing Putin's doing with with Ukraine. He said, don't you dare join NATO. (laughs) We will invade. He's been saying that for 20 years.
0: Right, yeah. But, you know, they're a sovereign nation, and it's like, you know, they should be able to do what they want, you know. And if if Russia's forcing somebody to not do something, you know, interfering with that, that becomes a problem. So was Cuba.
1: That's a problem that the world has had since the world began. It's why sad. do we have to chance a a? You
0: know, we should just. Lift, why don't we just lift the embargo here. on Cuba? Why doesn't the United States lift the embargo? On, I don't. I know well, that's one should, thing. I don't. Maybe you can tell this, me.
1: At this point in time, we should. There's there's yeah. no point in keeping it. Castro's dead. His brother's running the place, but yeah, it, it, Cuba would be better off with uh, free trade to us.
0: Oh my God! The place would go wild.
1: Yeah, and uh, Raúl Castro would hate it because he was lo- he was yeah. he would lose control. Sure, but you're not going to get you're not going to get elected out of Florida, you know, and that's a big swing state uh, in the presidential elections. Not only would it affect Marco Rubio. But uh, that's, that's, too, that's too far into the weeds on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, the, the story in the CIA was very interesting. But, um, yeah. You know, they're afraid. I mean, now the deal right now is funding. And basically what the Times seemed to say at the end was that, um, you know, if the funding isn't there, then, you know, the Ukraines will be abandoned. Uh, the spy network and the satellites and the intelligence will be gone. Yes, it would. And, you know, it's, it's like then Russia will simply roll over them because they will, have, they will not know what to do. They will that's simply been, not know what to do.
1: And again, it would become a part of Russia like it's been for 200 years since Catherine the Great.
0: Right. I mean, I get all that stuff. But, you know, since 19, for 75 years after World War II, there was never been another invasion of another European country upon another one. And that's the first time it's happened. And yeah, it was himself.
1: forced by the CIA. The the CIA pushed Putin to the point where he had to do this.
0: But I, I'm interested to know, though how how did exactly did Putin, if he's such a smart man, fall for this? Or is this what he wanted to do in the first place?
1: I don't know his mind, but the CIA pushed pushed the uh, the envelope. If the CIA wasn't there funding this stuff, then. Um, we we wouldn't have the situation today, and uh, it's not our business. It's half the world away, you know.
0: It's uh, I get it. No, I get the frustration. I feel it too. It's 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 it's, it's, it's like, get why bother, you know? It you and know.
1: our country's falling apart. We can't defend our border, but we're defending Ukraine's border.
0: Screw no, I- that. I agree. I, 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 there's something wrong there, right? Exactly. Yeah, there's so something
1: wh- wrong there. We've got globalists in charge in our government, and they care more for, for pushing United States power in Europe than they do about taking care of the United States.
0: It is a big world. <laughs> I'll leave you with that, okay? okay. Thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you for that okay. call. Yeah, Bye-bye. Bye now. Ah, boy. You know, it reminds me a lot of British um, imperialism, which we are. We, <laughs> we have taken over the British Empire. And um, Britain would involve themselves in all the wars of Europe. And they would, they would help out the weaker country to defeat either France or Germany. It's like um, Britain and Germany defeated uh, the French at Waterloo, defeated Napoleon. England always teamed up with the weaker opponent in order to divide Europe. And we're just following the same... In the same playbook, but looks like I uh, got another call. So let's go to the phones again. Go ahead, caller. What you thinking?
2: Yeah, hi. How you doing? Um, I, I, if if you were just stopping the war today in Ukraine and just left it how it was, it wouldn't change change to the European theater all that much. NATO's already going to gain Sweden and Finland out of this deal, and um, Putin did what he had to do. I agree with you. He wasn't tricked or, or forced into it. He was forced into it in the way that he had to react. But yeah. this isn't really anything he really wanted to do. And this would have happened four years earlier if there was no President Trump. So Trump actually delayed this by four years. Yes, he did. And it, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, the beginning of your show says it all. I mean, don't get involved in European affairs. I don't really care. You know, I uh, if, yes. if, if Putin was to keep that half of Ukraine, it doesn't really change anything.
1: I believe the United States has to get a little more callous on world affairs. We should not uh-huh. be determining the boundaries of Europe or the Middle East or any place. We're it's such hypocrites, ain't not we?
2: We're hypocrites. We, we, we do the same thing that we tell people not to do. Like you said to your point to the last caller, they're being hypocritical. It, your Your analogy of this being uh, Putin's Cuba crisis is accurate. Thank you. And I agree with you 100 percent. Um, and just before I go, I wanted to just ask you a question because sure. I, I respect your thoughts. Um, have you noticed that in the news, they're, they're, they're always talking about election interference yes. and, and lately? And, and it's, it's getting me to ask, are they silently calling for it? Are they encouraging oh, yeah. it? Um, are they telling you to expect it? I, yes. I, I think it is to plant the seeds in your head that no matter who wins, that there will be civil unrest. And that is guaranteed to work. Oh, yeah. If, if Trump wins, even
1: if he wins like 80 percent to 20 uh, percent... Uh, the Democrats are not going to accept the Trump presidency. Yeah.
2: See, we see this, but the other people don't see this. The other people don't see this. I see them set in the table. I know you see it every day when you, when you watch what the Democrats do. They set the table in advance. That's why they're doing all this election interference now, because they want the American people to believe that, it, that the election was not fair no matter who wins. Yeah. And, and that is yeah. going to work. That is going to work. That's better than bombing us. That's better than beating our army. That's how you do it right there, sir.
1: Yeah. And the only way that, that Biden can win is by cheating again. Cause Absolutely. Because he's dementia-addled. <laughs> you know, And Trump is, is beating him in all the polls. You know? So um, if somehow he steals it again... I don't know. I'm moving to Texas.
2: Before I leave you, I want to just tell you something. It's kind of funny. I went on the Internet, and in other countries, they, can vote, they, they gamble, and they gamble on the election in the United States. <laughs> and I went onto a website, and, and they had Donald Trump as the favorite to win the election. And
0: yes, then they had I'm Joe sure. Biden.
2: And and then the next person after Joe Biden was Michelle Obama, and it was and they had like a list of forty different people, just like you would in Vegas if you were betting on sports. <laughs> and um, I don't I don't feel bad for Ukraine because they they are ranked um, a number five military before the war began. They were ranked the number five out really? of ten in the world. Yes, exactly. they were. I, I I always check the the rankings of the. The other countries around the world to see where their military is ranked, and I always check on what equipment they're buying. So Ukraine was a number five, and Russia was a number two. So if we were watching a football game and a number five ranked team was playing a number two ranked team, the five, the five team has a chance to win. So I don't feel bad for Ukraine. and they, I, I just want them to be punished for, for not helping Trump uh, let the American people know about the Bidens and, and Burisma and all that stuff. Because Ukraine ruined our country by uh, not giving Trump what he needed to to bury Biden. And for that, I curse Ukraine. And I, I, I can't wait for them to be conquered all the way. I love it. I love it, sir. I
1: love it. Okay, I'll say the same thing I said last week. It, it's a damn shame that hundreds of thousands of people are dying for this. World. Oh, yeah, that guy avoided. It. But I, I, I want to touch on a few other things before I go. Uh, God and, bless. Oh, I'm down to eight minutes already. <laughs> God bless you. God bless, man. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Okay, let's hit this right go right there. Well, I don't have time for much, except I should touch on this article about Letitia James. Now, she's the attorney general in New York State. Uh, She she was pushing the prosecution on Trump, uh, you know, for E. Jean Carroll and for the... um, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the supposed fraud case that uh, Trump is <laughs> going to have to pay $455 million. Is it $455 or $355? $355 plus interest of like $85 million. None of which he'll ever have to pay because it will get thrown out by the Supreme Court. But Letitia James is pushing um, to get him to pay up before the appeals process can take place and i'm down to seven minutes so i'll just kind of wrap this up quickly because she's now going after um the jbs new york attorney general says meat producing giant made misleading environmental claims to boost sales Giant meat producer JBS was accused of making misleading claims about its greenhouse gas emissions goals to boost sales among environmentally conscious consumers in a lawsuit filed Wednesday by New York Attorney General Letitia James. The lawsuit filed in a state court In New York City alleges that the company claimed it will achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040, despite having no viable plan to come up with that commitment. The lawsuit names, the lawsuit names as defendants, JBS USA Food Company, JBS USA Food Company Holdings, and a couple of others. Okay. When companies falsely advertise their commitment to sustainability, they are misleading consumers and endangering our planet. Oh, kill them. JBS JBS USA's greenwashing exploits the pocketbooks of everyday Americans and the promise of a healthy planet for future generations, James said, in a prepared release. Okay, so now... I don't particularly like large food companies tyson foods is is a tyson um yeah I believe Tyson is putting uh cricket uh chopped up cricket crumbs into uh breaded chicken and other products there's a there's a lot of of big companies that are sneaking uh Maybe not poisonous, but stuff that is bad for you. That's being pushed by the greenies. Push, being pushed by the environmental, uh, you know, contagion. Uh, contagion. The the environmental people, uh, you know, eating bugs, uh, eating their their larvae, eating what's called chitin, that comes from them and is bad for your your body. Because humans aren't made to digest bug food or bugs as food. Besides, you can eat maggots. There are some few bugs that we can't eat, but they're, um, you know, they they do nasty things to the food, including, you know, ultra uh, processing it. But this company is saying they've got plans for 2040. I mean, this is 16 years out still. How do you know they don't have plans for 2040? How do you know that they aren't in the process of thinking about it and coming up with ideas for it? It's still 16 years away. But this is part of the thing about how Leticia James is going to continue to drive uh, businesses out of New York. They're going to destroy any uh, business base that New York has. And now there's a lot of businesses. New York is still huge. It still has, what, 8 million people. But um, she's going to continue to push investments, investors, and businesses out of New York State. And she's going to destroy that state, just like Gavin Newsom who might be a presidential candidate for the Democrats, uh, you know, (laughs) come the convention, is destroying California. Incredible. So I'm down to, what, three minutes. Another article I don't have time for is FBI arrest journalist Steve Baker over his January 6th coverage. Yeah, he was there. (laughs) He went inside because... That's where the action was. That's where the story was. He followed the story. And he, the real problem was that he wrote stories favorable for the Jan 6 people. He didn't call them terrorists and evil and Trumpers and, and fascists. <laughs> he wrote articles that were, that were favorable. Oh, here's a good story. Sorry I don't have time to get to it. But um, University of Florida to fire all DEI employees to avoid violating state law. There's a new state law. So all the DEI are going to have to die. Die. (laughs) D-I-E. The die people are going to have to die. (laughs) Isn't that just great? We're getting down to the bottom of it. Media blackout as thousands gather to mourn Lakin Riley at vigil. Food aid reaches Gaza for the first time in weeks. Oh, that's another good news story. And other stuff, but it is time to go, people. Have a good weekend. Watch out for false flags and enjoy a adult beverage or two.
2: Listening to Dunn's Deal with author James Dunn. Join James every Friday at six oh five for a unique perspective on today's issues. But for now, this is a Dunn Deal, only on your voice in the Blackstone Valley, WNRI
1: One Socket.